Hello, I'm your host, Mr. Chuck, a retired accountant turned truck driver. I reduced my debt in a relatively short period of time. Debt reduction to achieve financial freedom takes commitment, confidence, determination. Investing in the stock market. What do you need to know before you start investing in a stock market? I've classified two areas you should know a little bit about, and that's asset classes and diversification. Those are the two important things you should understand before you start investing in the stock market. But even before that, do you have an emergency fund set up that's well-funded? Well-funded meaning more than $500, maybe more than $1,500. You need to have an emergency fund to cover all your emergencies before you start investing in the stock market. Also, you should have a savings account, a high-yield savings account, with significant amount of money, maybe fifteen to 20000 six months to a year's worth of your income or expenses, whichever would be greater. Once you have achieved those goals, then you can consider investing in the stock market. But let me back up here a little bit. If you have more than $250,000 in one bank, you are in trouble. You haven't diversified. Why 250000 If you have more than $250,000 in one bank or you're approaching 250000 you need to spread that money into another bank. Why? Because the Federal Insurance Depository Corporation or whatever it's called only insures the first $250,000 if that bank would fail. So, by diversifying to more than one bank, you are less likely to lose any money. Now, you may not get your money instantly, but you'll eventually get that $250,000. So, if you have, let's say, an example, $500,000 in one bank, and that bank fails... Not likely, but it's also possible. You'll get your 250000 maybe in six months to a year, but that remaining amount that you have in there, you may never see or you may only get 10000 of it, depending on what happened to that bank. So by diversifying into more than one bank, and I'm assuming these are all in some type of high-yield account, or maybe a certificate of deposit of five years or three years, so you can get a higher rate of interest. That's, you know, the goal in your investment, is to try to get the largest return possible with the least amount of risk. So if you got money in your emergency fund, say, buy a new car if you have to. You got money in a savings account, at least 100000 or 50000 or whatever, then you may be ready to start investing in the stock market. If you have a 401k or in a retirement account through work 
you already are investing in a stock market. We're talking about additional money that you have saved over time that's getting a lower rate yield, say like 1% interest. And you can take that money and put it in the stock market, invest it, and have a yield of say 6%. This varies year to year. There's no guarantee on future return based on past results. Also, if you're putting in more than $25,000, you should be talking to a financial advisor. Somebody who knows what they are doing and can set up a plan for you to make investments based on your risk and risk tolerances for the future. If you don't want to take risks, then you need to leave it in the local bank, maybe a certificate of deposit. But with higher risk comes larger returns. So what do you need to know before you start putting money into the market? I'm just going to use market because it can be about anything. Well, there are different asset classes. And what is an asset class is a group of similar investment vehicles. Different classes or types of investment assets, such as fixed income investments, are grouped together based on having a similar financial structure. They are typically traded in the same financial markets and subject to the same rules and regulations. There are five major classes. There's only three of them that you would be investing in. You already have one if you have money in the bank. That's cash or cash equivalents. Now that can also include money market funds, certificate of deposits, cash deposits in your savings account. That's cash or cash equivalents. The primary advantage of that is they are liquid. You can get to your money easily and at any particular time. There's no restrictions. Before you even put money in the stock market, you should already be in that. The another asset class is real estate or tangible assets. If you own your own home, you already have an investment in real estate. Don't forget that your home that you're living in is also an investment. That's why you need to maintain that home to keep the value of it up. So if you would ever want to sell that home, you can get the most highest market value from that asset and get a relatively good return. You should have those two things in place before you are in the market. Unless you graduate from college, you have student loan debt, you're buying things, and maybe you're renting an apartment because you don't have the money yet, or you live in the area where housing is really expensive, 
so it may be cheaper to rent. That's okay. And your employer may be offering a 401k. So maybe you are in the market and you're putting 3% or 5% of your income in there every pay period and your employer is matching. You should only be putting the maximum amount that the employer is matching for now. We're talking about additional investments that you're going to be making down you know, in the future, or maybe you're already there, which are not in your retirement account. These are investments you're holding out that are going to be taxable every year based on the dividends they paid you, or if you sell them the gain or loss that happened. So we're talking about stocks or equities. Stocks are investments in one company. Stocks are also most likely referred to as equities because when you invest in that company by buying their stocks, you are a, it's an equity portion of that corporation or that company. You own part ownership of that company. So that's why they are included as equities. There are shares of ownership in a publicly traded company. They're traded on the stock exchange, that's the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ. You can potentially profit from equities either through the raise in the share price or by receiving dividends. The asset class of equities is often subdivided by market capitalization. What is market capitalization? What that is, is the share price of the stock times the number of stocks outstanding. So it's it's a computation. You take the price of the stock times the number of outstanding shares and you come up with a number. If it's 300 million to $2 billion, that's considered small cap. If it's over $2 billion to $10 billion, that's considered mid cap. Any company that's worth, that, that computation comes up more than $10 billion, then it's considered large cap. That is the classification within the equity sector. There's other classification within the equity sector that we're going to talk about in a little bit. The other class is bonds or other fixed income investments. Fixed income investments are investments in debt securities that pay a rate of return in the form of interest. Such investments are generally considered less risky than investing in equities or other asset classes. So they would be bonds. A corporation would sell bonds. You buy a $5,000 bonds at 3% interest. If you buy that, if you pay less than $5,000 for it, you're buying it at a discount. So if you buy, if you pay 4000 for it, your rate of return is going to be higher 
than if you pay $5,000. If you pay $6,000 for it, you're paying a premium. So your rate of return is going to be less than the stated rate of interest, whatever it was I said, I think 3%. So it's less risky because these bonds are graded by, if they're a junk bond or a premium or whatever, they're graded by the the company that are issuing on, issuing these bonds or fixed income investments. So that's four. And the other one are futures or other derivatives. It's future contracts, spot and forward foreign exchange, options, and expanding array of financial derivatives. Derivatives are financial instruments that are based on or derived from an underlying asset. For example, stock options are a derivative of stocks. I don't recommend that you diversify and buy derivatives or futures unless you really are know what you're doing. It's the most riskiest thing you can do. You can make a lot of money and you can lose a lot of money. If you don't know what you're doing, stay away and don't buy anything you don't understand. When I mean that, if you don't understand how it works or how you're going to make money or how you're going to get rid of it, it's a good thing not to buy. And this, I'm not telling you anything about what type of stock to buy or which company to invest in. So now we're going to break down the stock and equities. You can either buy a stock in a single company or you can buy mutual funds. Why would you want to buy a mutual fund? And electronically traded funds are another type of mutual funds. Let's start with mutual funds. A mutual fund in its description will tell you where they're investing the money. It may be a mutual fund that's investing only in large cap stock. That means they're only going to buy stock of companies that have more than $10 million valuation for the market capitalization. Another mutual fund may only buy company stock that are mid-cap between 10 million and 300 million. Nope. <laughs> I'm sorry. Between more than 10 billion to 300 billion. I forgot the breakoffs. Would be mid caps. And they're only going to buy stock in companies in that range. And so why is it good to buy a mutual fund? Because instead of buying stock in one company, which poses the greatest risk, they're buying stock in multiple companies and spreading the risk out in that asset class that they're investing in. So there may be 40, 50 different companies within that asset class and they're spreading their money out. One company could fail but they might only own 1% of it. Another company could do really good, but maybe they only own 1% of it. 
So the highs and lows are, the lows are offset by the highs. So you're generally in a better position for not losing a whole lot of money. I would have said not losing any money, but that would be a myth. And you always got to be aware there's risk when you're investing in the stock market. Some people equate investing in the stock market the same as going to a casino. The biggest difference is you put your money in the stock market. It can go up or down, but you can take your money back whenever you want. When you go to the casino, you put your money on the table. And then unless you pick it up before the game starts, you can't get it back. You're going to win or lose. And it's quick and there's no decision making. I don't know. But it's not like going to the casino. Bonds, you do the same thing. Electronic transfer funds are a mutual fund that's only, you can only buy it or sell it through electronic means. Means you have to buy it through the computer. Where a regular mutual fund, you can buy it through a stockbroker or your financial advisor or yourself. And you can call them up and say, I want to buy X number of shares of this mutual fund and transfer the money to them. And four or five days later, you get it. Where electronic traded funds are only done electronically. So you put your order in to buy through the computer which is probably what everybody's doing anyway. There's generally less people involved in electronic trading funds, so their fees are a lot less, so your return potentially could be greater. So let's move on now that we talked about classes. The next topic is going to be diversification. Okay, diversification, we're only going to talk about within the stock market, within stocks, bonds, or cash. You should already be diversified in your cash. So we're only going to look at stocks and bonds. So for stocks, I already talked about investing in mutual funds because if you buy a mutual fund, you're buying stocks in various different companies and you can do it by class or the type of class it is or sector would be another word. Some sectors, if the economic cycle is going good and it's strong and there's low unemployment and there's a lot of people buying stuff then they do really good such as automobiles housing it says clothing but i don't agree with that i think people buy clothes no matter what but you know your larger ticket items generally sell more when the economy is doing better because there's more people making more money when the economy goes down and there's higher rates of unemployment, maybe you're not getting pay raises, then consumer goods or staples are going to do good, which would be grocery, utilities, health care, necessities that you have to buy no matter what the economy is doing. So that's a diversification within stocks. Another thing is size or market capitalization, which we already talked about. Small cap, mid cap, large cap. 
Larger companies tend to be more stable and can weather economic downturns more easily, but they also have tendency to less growth potential than their smaller counterparts. Why? Because they're already pretty large. A smaller counterpart is just maybe getting started, maybe only been in business 10 years. Maybe they just found their product where they can make a lot of profit. Maybe they're developing new products. So there's more potential for growth or also more potential for risk. For bonds, it depends on who's issuing the bond. Integrated bonds from various issuers such as Treasury, U.S. government bonds, mutual bonds, corporate, and more. So who is issuing the bond is what you should consider for your diversification with bonds. You should have some municipal bonds. You should have some treasury bonds. You should have some corporate bonds. You need to mix it up. Credit quality. Combine bonds with various credit risk. Bonds that offer levels of credit worthiness or safety which corresponds with the bond's level of return. For instance, treasuries are considered potentially risk-free since it's unlikely the federal government will go bankrupt, which explains their relatively lower rate of return. Where a struggling corporation may be having a higher rate of return on their bonds, but there's a higher rate of risk. And then you have maturity. You need to blend short, intermediate, and long-term bonds. Long-term bonds receive higher returns because they're subject to more interest rate risk. Let's think about that for a moment. Right now, the interest rates are so low that they most likely are not going to go much lower, if all, but are going to go up. You don't want to be buying a 30-year bond now because you'd be tying that money up And if you tried to sell that bond five years, 10 years from now, a 2% rate of interest is not going to sell for much when the current rate is 8%. That's just an example. I'm not making any predictions. Right now, you probably should stick with a short and intermediate rate bonds. Short, maybe two years or less. Intermediate, seven years or less. Why? Because... Most likely, the rate of interest is going to go up. It's the only way it's got, it's the only place it can go. If it goes down and goes negative, that means that you would have to pay the issuer money. So if it's a negative 1% and you own that bond, why would you buy it? Because you'd have to pay a 1% interest to the issuer. Why would you do that? I wouldn't. I would, who would buy them? I don't know. Who knows? Just an example. And then diversification for stocks and bonds. Geographically incorporate stocks and bonds from around the world. Countries have very economic cycles, so it makes sense to expose to both domestic and international bonds. International or foreign markets are further classified as developed markets and emerging markets. Developed markets, European nation, Australia, Japan, Singapore, etc. tend to be more stable, whereas emerging markets, Brazil, Russia, India, and China tend to be more volatile 
with higher growth potentials. And my question is why Russia and China are considered emerging markets, especially China. I don't know what makes that up. That's another form of diversification by geographic. Perhaps you only want to buy in U.S. stocks. That's fine. Then buy companies that are located around the country. Say some on the East Coast, some on the West Coast, some in the middle, some in the North, some in the South. What I'm talking about is their headquarters. Active versus passive. Allocate both actively and passively managed accounts. Many securities can be purchased through mutual funds, NF funds, or exchange traded, which we talked about. And active funds, a portfolio manager picks which stocks to include in the fund. This differs from passive index funds or EF, ETFs, which mimic an underlying index and cost less. Passive funds often can outperform active funds during market upswings, but active funds can be better downside protected during market downturns. So what that's saying is you should put some of your money in some index funds and you should put some of your money in actively managed funds. We're talking about mutual funds, index funds, or exchange traded. I'm not a big fan of index funds, and I'm not going to go into why. I'll be back in one moment with my final thoughts. If you listen to this podcast, Reduce Debt, Increase Wealth, on an Apple device, scroll through all the episodes towards the bottom, and you can select Write a Review and leave your comments, and you can rate this podcast. I appreciate all feedback and I thank you for your time in doing so. If you're new to investing before putting money in the stock market, you need to do your homework. Do some research and learn on the basics of the stock market before you get started. It's advisable you do the same even if you're going to use a financial planner. You need to know if the financial planner is working to your best interest. A financial planner you should be using is a fiduciary. He's always investing your money in your risk tolerance for your best interest. Don't rely on stockbrokers because they're only out to make a commission. I have nothing against stockbrokers, but you need to know the basics what are asset classes, what is diversification, what are you willing to risk, what extreme risk are you willing to take, or how conservative investments. Is your portfolio gonna be 90% stocks, 10% bonds, or would it be 60% stocks and 40% bonds? Whatever the makeup is, it's gotta be diversified, and you should understand what your stockbroker or financial planner is doing before they do it.